All right, well, if you'll open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7, 17, beginning of verse 7. We'll get there in just a moment. I uh, appreciate Jason uh, speaking for, uh, on my behalf last week, and I know he, he joked about this, but he uh, was, uh, uh, I, I'm so thankful that he was willing to do that. It's not an easy passage, and um, but we're going to jump in there again today. Before we do, I want to just share a little bit about what we did in Argentina and encourage you about the future of what that may look like. And so, uh, again, thank you so much for your prayer and your support. Uh, we uh, had a wonderful week of uh, ministry. Every day was uh, chock full of getting to know uh, the city of Argentina. There are 15 million people who live there. And uh, I think we visited almost every corner of that city uh, in those seven days uh, we certainly met a lot of folks and a lot of the work that is happening and going on there. One of the things that stood out to me was the uh, importance of reaching Argentine uh, uh, college students, university students, which actually many of them are Argentine and many of them uh, come from all over South America because there are 500,000 university students there uh, because... The university system is free. So folks from all over South uh, America come there. Uh, and so you've got uh, a lot of uh, you know, folks who are from Brazil and uh, Colombia and other places, uh, Chile and other places. And uh, this was the staggering statistic of what, um, of what that means because uh, we were able to meet some university students who, who love the Lord, who have uh, some... Who, who've grown up in the church, saved at a young age, and some uh, who uh, were atheistic and the Lord saved them and is doing a work in their life. But uh, in the Universidad, uh, uh, the Facilidad uh, Medicina, the medicine school, I practice my Spanish on you, right? So... Um, I got a long, long way. But uh, in the medical school alone, there's 50,000 students. And we met uh, three students. And one of, a couple of those young ladies are a part of um, what is essentially intervarsity, but in, um, it's a, minister, a worldwide ministry, but it's uh, the Argentine version of that. And there are 13 students that are part of that group. So there are 50,000 13. And when talking to these university students, what we must realize is that uh, in, in many ways like here, but, but I would say amped up, being a Christian in that culture is so countercultural. It's so, uh, it's really antagonistic to Christianity. Um. And so that became very clear very quickly. In Argentina, because it's really uh, a breadbasket, a, 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 you know, a cultural mix of so many uh, nationalities and people coming there, it really has the potential of reaching it and reaching South America and reaching even the world. What we learned is that what kind of starts in Argentina, good or bad, usually bad, ends up infiltrating the rest 
of the continent. Um, they've recently passed uh, abortion laws that have spread. They've recently passed uh, gender laws that have spread. And so what you see is the things that become popular and uh, that begin in Argentina oftentimes spread to the rest of the continent. So it becomes a strategic place to do ministry. We have seven, um, we have seven missionaries from, uh, we, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We, uh, because we give annually, uh, just our church automatically gives uh, money uh, toward the cooperative program. A lot of that is funded through those dollars. So these are our missionaries. We don't support them like individually. We don't send money straight to them. But by supporting uh, Southern Baptist causes, we are supporting these missionaries. By giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that money goes directly to the field. So these are our missionaries. And so we were able to meet seven of them. And uh, so 15 million people, and we have seven missionaries there. There's a lot of work to do. And what I'm excited about is getting the opportunity to, to partner with them for not just now, but for years to come in, in ways that are meaningful that can help the work that they're doing there. I want you to meet them. Uh, uh, it's a brief video. It's, it's, um, it kind of gets you, lets you know who our missionaries there are. And so I'd love for you all to just kind of turn your attention to the screen and meet these folks that we worked with this week in Argentina. Buenos Aires is a mega city with a population of about 15 million people. And there's a lot of hustle bustle of the large city. Buses, trains, cars, bikes, pedestrians, dogs, lots of movement, noises, and smells. Buenos Aires has a unique mix of Latin America and European influence, seen through architecture, culture, and the arts. Um, many Argentines say they're Catholic, but the majority are non-practicing, and there are many that are non-religious. Baptist missionaries arrived in Buenos Aires at the beginning of the 1900s and began to plant churches, founded the convention and seminary, and many other things. Our work today is not that of a pioneer missionary. Rather, our team seeks to encourage, mobilize, and walk alongside our Argentine brothers and sisters in Christ, especially in the areas of evangelism, church planning, and global mobilization. My name is Heather Talbert, and I serve as the Global Engagement Facilitator on the Buenos Aires team. I work alongside my teammates in the Ciudad Autónoma de Buenos Aires, as well as in the North Zone, which is in Greater Buenos Aires. I work with my team to facilitate partnerships between U.S. churches and our national partners here in Buenos Aires. Hola! We are the Richard family. I'm Chris. I'm Rhonda. I'm I'm family and I like skateboarding and playing soccer. We live in the capital city of Buenos Aires, and we are working in the area along the river, which consists of four neighborhoods with a population of approximately 800,000 people. We are currently seeking to plant a church in our neighborhood of Belgrano. Over this past year, we have been blessed to host various groups in our home, such as U.S. Teams, our English Bible Study, our Spanish Bible Study, and our English Club. I've also been able to help Audrey lead a New Hope trauma healing group at her church. And I've attended several gatherings of church leaders and denominational leaders to talk about and plan for church planting here in the city, outside of the city. I attended the uh, Union Baptista de Latinoamericana uh, Congreso in Cordoba, 
And uh, each of us has met one-on-one -on -one with nationals here for uh, conversation exchange and have spiritual conversations. And right now we're planning, uh, preparing to gather a group of uh, core team here for the purpose of planting a church here in Belgrano. We are Matt and Joni McCann. Along with our four children, we serve in the northern region of Greater Buenos Aires. We relocated to this part of the city last year to begin engaging this upper middle class population segment that is largely unreached. We've been doing entry and evangelism in the area as we aim towards healthy church formation. We had the opportunity to lead an eight week course with the junior high and high school students in a local school, exploring the foundational claims of Christianity. Since the end of that study, we've been able to host a monthly youth fellowship and Bible study in our home. I host a weekly women's Bible study in our home. This has led several of the women to have a desire to share the gospel more effectively using three circles. We recently began an in-home Bible study on Sunday evenings with the intention of becoming a church. For the past year, we've been working with a church plant in the city center that is reaching both Argentine and international university students, among others. Last October, we celebrated the church's first baptisms. It's been a blessing to mentor the church planter, Ariel, in our time together. We've been evaluating the church through the lens of the characteristics of a healthy church. I've been able to see so much growth in him as he becomes more spiritually mature, doctrinally sound, and as he develops a clear vision and direction for the new church. And now we're discussing a plan to develop other leaders within the church as we look towards exit. Hi, we're the Tucker family. I'm Audrey. This is Derek and our two kids, Andrew and Eliana, and our dog, Luna. One initiative our team has been working on is digital engagement in the neighborhood of Belgrano. Our goal is to use social media to advance the missionary task and to find seekers who will one day form part of a church plant. I've also been excited to mentor three medical students who are called into mission and I was encouraged to lead the New Hope group with Rhonda at my Argentine home church. One young man came to faith and six are trained to multiply it out. And then there are plans to do another New Hope trauma healing group this August at the church. Audrey and I regularly think and pray about how our team can have a comprehensive impact in Buenos Aires. It's a huge task, over 15 million people, the majority of which need to hear the good news. The task can be broken into smaller pieces or segments, uh, as you've heard about these last few minutes. And we rely not only on, on each other as the IMB team, but on USA churches and national partners. In mobilizing, encouraging, and walking alongside them, we know that the Lord can do the work and can allow us to play a small part in what he wants to do here. Thank you for listening, and thank you for praying for us here in Buenos Aires. So there is a lot of lot of work to do, as you can tell, and and um, I'm, I'm prayerful that you and I uh, can be a part of that meaningfully. Not just uh, what I'm hoping a trip next July that we would be able to go on and praying about, but also in the meantime, I was just notified yesterday of an opportunity for uh, for artists in the United States to connect and help them uh, with content for their digital engagement. Uh, art, art that would uh, preach the gospel and share the gospel with folks. And so I know we have artists in our church. And so I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to those folks. And that's something we can do even now to partner with them. We're going to partner with them through prayer as well. And so uh, can we just take a moment and pray for those folks as they serve 
uh, our uh, Lord and our convention of churches in uh, Buenos Aires. Lord, we pray for our missionaries on the field today in Buenos Aires, Argentina. God, we pray that you would bless them as they uh, minister in a, a, a secular society that really has no desire to follow Christ or his ways. And God, we pray that you give them grace and mercy to see people transformed by the gospel in that culture and changed by you and that the gospel would spread. We pray, Lord, as Paul prayed for open doors, we pray for open doors for the Argentina team. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that recap. If you have any other questions, I'd love to share with you. Uh, there's a whole lot I could share about. It would take the whole time. But I want to jump back into Revelation 17. So as a brief reminder just of what we've talked about up until this moment, we, we set out a year and a half ago to look at Revelation and understand uh, the idea and the understanding of, of what this is about. You know, oftentimes you hear, you know, uh, oh, we're living in the last days. Revelation is being revealed all around us. And you'll see even in this passage today, yeah, it is. But what does that mean, and how do we respond to that, and how do we react to that? And what I want you and I to understand through this entire series that will eventually be, I think, 43 total weeks, and uh, will end sometime in the fall this year. We're getting close. But what I hope that we will come away with is a new picture and understanding of how amazing our Savior is, how amazing our Lord is, that we won't be so concerned with how things are being, uh, are playing out around us more than we are concerned with understanding and knowing our Savior, our Christ, our Lord. And so what I've sought to do this entire time, what we've sought to do this entire time is point us to Jesus, because that is what Revelation is all about. The literal word revelation means to unveil. And what it's unveiling is Christ for us to see the Lord and see how he reacts and responds to the world that you and I live in. And Jason did a wonderful job last week to, to introduce this idea of the tale of two cities, of Babylon and Jerusalem, And we're going to continue in that thought today to understand Babylon and what the representation that is, that it represents the world system given over to the power of this beast that is named here. And we remind ourselves that this beast is the beast from the pit, the beast from the abyss, the beast from the sea, and that beast is, is the mimic Christ, the anti-Christ, this Remember uh, that Satan kind of established his, his unholy trinity, if you will, and he stands at the beginning trying to be a mimic God the Father, and then the beast from the sea is a mimic Christ, a, a mimic Jesus, God the Son, and, and then the beast that causes us to worship, the beast from the world, from the land, from the earth, is a mimic Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that they're a trinity or that they're some kind of God. I'm just saying that's what Satan's trying to install, what he's trying to set up, what he's trying to do. And what we see in this moment is that beast, this, this mimic Savior, if you will, this mimic Christ, this anti-Christ. And, and 
being ridden on by this uh, prostitute woman that represents Babylon, that represents the world system, causes you and I to need wisdom. You and I must understand and realize and see what all these things are for what they really are. We all need wisdom. Wisdom, because as Jason explained last week, because the world is alluring and seductive. If you look around us, you see that the ideas that the world pushes forward seduce people. They allure people. And so you and I must have wisdom in how we view it and understand it and see it. We must have wisdom to see what it truly is, the lie that it truly purports, and through it all to see the truth. And that can be hard at times. That can be disillusioning to even people who claim to know Christ who seem to be falling headlong into the same thoughts as the rest of the world. And oftentimes there's a difficulty in determining who's for the world and who's for Christ. And there's some, some stuff kind of all up in the middle. And what we must understand is that wisdom helps us understand you don't want to mess with the world. You don't want to mess with the seductress. You don't want to mess with the one who's telling us these lies. You don't want to mess with this beast. You don't want to follow that because it eventually leads to destruction. Wisdom sees things for how they really are and responds accordingly. Wisdom sees beyond the surface. Wisdom sees actualities and is able to weed through falsities. And so you and I must have wisdom. Wisdom. It seems almost too simple, too easy. Like, well, of course we need wisdom, Derek. Of course we need to live that way. But if you look around, not everyone sees with eyes that are wise, that is able to see beyond the surface and to see things as they truly are and respond the right way. So would you read with me our text? And I pray that we will be able to walk away with wisdom. If you're able... Would you stand for the, to honor God's word? Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the, of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. 
There are also seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. If you're not confused already, you realize that it is confusing, and this is why we need wisdom. Then ten horn, the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Those with him are called chosen and faithful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We need wisdom just to understand what in the world's going on here, right? But you and I need wisdom to see what's happening in the world. And that's really what this passage of Scripture is telling us, is that you and I should not be alarmed. It's what the angel says to John, as John himself is astonished. He is alarmed. He's thinking, what is happening here? And the angel says, don't be astonished. Why are you astonished? So we'll get to the angel's interpretation about the prostitute in Babylon more so next week. But suffice it to say that the world that feigns over an antichrist has one and only one destination. The world that feigns over this beast and his ways and the ways of the prostitute and the ways of Babylon, the one that follows after the world and the world's ways, has only one destination. The passage tells us it's destruction. Destruction. That's why you don't want to mess with it. That's why you and I can't just uh, play tiddlywinks with it, with the world. I don't even know what tiddlywinks are. I just think it's a funny phrase, right? But you get what I'm saying. We can't just play around with these things because this is serious. It leads to destruction. It leads to an end that you can't come back from. And far too long, can I just say this? Far too long, you and I as the American church, far too long, you and I tiptoe around certain things and we allow certain things to influence us. We allow certain things to creep in and we just act like, well, it'll be all right. Friends, it leads to destruction. This is something we don't need to play with. This is something we don't need to, to tiptoe around. Now, I'm not saying we got to be a jerk. I'm not saying we got to be mean. But we need to be serious, devoted to Christ. We need to love the Lord and honor Him and live for Him more than we do this world. To live as Jesus told us to live in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, we are here and we live here. But we should not reflect this harlotrous woman, this Babylon, this world system. So in this passage, we see three things that wisdom tells us. Number one, wisdom tells me that Babylon is destined for destruction. Destined for destruction. Understanding Babylon is the key to this. Babylon 
has fallen, is falling, and will fall. One of the things that has become so clear to me in, 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 in seeking to understand the book of Revelation is that this, not, this is, the book of Revelation is not merely meant to tell us what is, what is about to happen or what is going to happen. No, really what it does is it paints this picture of what has happened, is happening, and will happen. That's why John says, you, or the angel says to John, why are you astonished? You've seen this before. You've seen Babylon rise, and you've seen Babylon fall. You've seen Babylon rise again, and you've seen Babylon fall. Babylon, because it is indicative of this world system, Babylon is the Egyptian empire. We saw it rise and fall. Babylon is the Babylonian empire. We saw it rise and fall. Babylon is the Roman empire. We've seen it rise and fall. And can I say, Babylon is the current empire, whatever that is. And though it seems sometimes that that kingdom is, is winning, though it sometimes seems that Babylon is, 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 is pressing forward and pressing through and seems to be the thing, the system, the world system that is, that is prevailing and winning, it will also one day fall. I think this is perhaps even clearer in Argentina, in Buenos Aires. Because what you have, uh, we, we uh, so we, I, we are blessed because we had several Georgia pastors who were with us who are originally from Argentina. So they are seeking like us to find partnerships and ways that they can partner down there. And so uh, myself, a pastor from South Georgia uh, named Chad and a pastor uh, from uh, from Cartersville, from uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church Espanol, Mario, we were walking. Uh, I believe we were going to go get some empanadas because that is one really exciting thing about Argentina was empanadas, all right? So I'm, I'm hooked. I'm excited. Evidently, there's a good place somewhere in Georgia. I'll be visiting that soon. So we were heading to get empanadas, and they have this drink. Uh, it's called mate, and it's basically tea. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't try it because that's just not my thing. So, but they have this thing, and uh, it's, it's called mate. And so what you see is, are, are all of these mate cups that you can purchase. It's a souvenir. It's a place, a thing that you and I could bring home and probably sit on a desk, you know, because um, anyway, mate is a very uh, important thing. And, and Mario wanted to uh, get a mate for his, life, for his wife, a a cup uh, to have this tea uh, drink and take it home to his wife, a souvenir. And uh, we're walking by, we see this little shop, and in this shop, it has uh, four or five mate that are for sale, these cups uh, with a straw. It's, uh, um, um, I'll post a picture, all right, at some point, I'll, I'll show you. But uh, so they're on the thing, we walk in, they welcome us in, they uh, they were rolling some kind of cigarette. Now, let's just put it that way, all right? These were very interesting people. And uh, we sit there, and, and we, we begin to share Christ with them. And um, uh, actually, Mario says that, um, uh, he says, um, uh, he, him, and myself, we are pastores, right? We are pastor, pastors. And so she says, you can talk about anything you want to except for God, Right? 
And I think that woman, dear, dear lady, very kind, except for that one moment, uh, very, we didn't, they didn't run us off. We talked about a lot of different stuff. But I think she's very indicative of the culture there. You can talk about anything you want to here. Just not God. And that is the world system that people are disillusioned by. You can do whatever you want. You can talk about anything you want to, but just don't talk about God. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't let the world know that you have this other thing. And we see that here too, don't we? We see that here because a lot of times we see a lot of things are tolerated in our culture except Christian beliefs. And so we must be careful. We must be careful that we don't hitch ourselves to Babylon and this world and these ideals because there is an indefinite, there is, there is a definite end for this world and its ways. It will end in destruction. The, the angel tells John, why are you astonished? John, you know this. You know how this ends. You know that the mimic Jesus, this beast that is, uh, John is really, or the angel is kind of mocking because the angel says, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss, right? So it's this, you know, remember, you know, God is the God who was, who is, who is to come, right? But here the angel saying, this is the beast. It's the one who was, who is not, and who will come, but who will go to destruction. The angel, in a way, is mocking this beast that eventually will be destroyed and is helping John to realize that and by so helping you and I to understand as well. Sin will end. Foolishness will end. Evil will end. Death and dying will end. All the wrongs in all the world will come to a definite close one day. Which is a source of strength and understanding for you and I who are in Christ that the difficulty that you and I face will one day fade away and Christ will reign forever. Wisdom tells me that Babylon is destined for destruction, but wisdom also tells me that humanity fawns over falsity. Humanity fawns after, uh, over falsity. One day, the inhabitants of earth who do not follow the Lamb, it says in this passage, that they will be persuaded by this beast, and they will be astonished at his leadership, and they will fall head over heels for him and do all that he says. But if they do, they too are destined for destruction. You see, this is why we need wisdom. We need wisdom to discern what is real and lasting and holy and truly the way God intends for us to live. And those who are won over to the side of the beast will exchange truth for a lie. So we need wisdom to discern and to decipher what is truth and what is falsity, what is true and what is a lie. This is not anything new. Paul told us in Romans chapter 1, 25, he says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what was created instead of the Creator who was praised forever. Amen. 
The beast is persuasive. The world is persuasive. Babylon is persuasive. And people fall head over heels for it every single day. In the United States, in Lafayette, Georgia, in Argentina, and across the entire world, people are falling for the, the enemy's lies every day. They've fallen over it, which is why you and I must go and lovingly tell them the truth. Why you and I must speak the truth in love, as Ephesians tells us, but that means we must speak the truth even when we are not loved because we speak that truth. I remember while we were in Argentina, we met this young woman named Cynthia. And Cynthia is a part of this uh, intervarsity group. It's called ABUA, and it stands for something, okay? Uh, A-B-U-A. Something with Argentina in there and Baptist, I think, or something. I don't know, but... She's a part of this group, and there's only 13 of them that meet regularly in this group. Remember, 13 among 50,000 medical students. And Cynthia is standing against a seeming giant. She's just this petite young lady, but she's bold in her faith. She's bold in her love for Jesus. And she's from Argentina. She, she's there. She loves the Lord. And she's reaching out to her friends in the midst of uh, being ostracized. We were told by her and another young lady named Augustina that if you speak up for, that you're against any of these new initiatives, if you're against any kind of thing, if you speak up about being a Christian, not only are you ostracized by your classmates, you're ostracized by your professors as well. But here, Cynthia is standing And she's speaking truth amidst all the lies that are around her. And this moment was, I call a book of Acts kind of moment. And uh, I've, I felt like I was just, a, I got to be a fly on the wall. And in fact, it was this moment and another moment, I just said, Lord, I'm so glad I'm here, but I don't, I'm not sure why I'm here because... Um, you know, our, our churches in Northwest Georgia, all of our, most of our college students leave and go to another school. We have some that are staying, but, but you see what I'm saying? It's like, here, I feel like God is doing something among university students, and maybe we're supposed to go do something with that. And so this, this moment, I think, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm so glad I am. I don't speak Spanish, so I have no clue what's happening. And thankfully, we had an interpreter, and as Danielle, um, another pastor from Georgia uh, at Johnson's Ferry Baptist uh, Espanol Church, is there. He begins speaking as I imagine Paul spoke to Timothy or others and injects courage into Cynthia's heart. And uh, the translator, uh, the missionary, is, is, is whispering what is being said in this moment, this, this book of Acts moment. And, and Cynthia has just tears streaming down her face. You could see that she was being faithful to the Lord, but it was hard. And in this moment, courage injected into her life to stand for truth and stand for Christ, even in the midst of a culture that does not want to hear it. 
And I wonder today if you and I would have the same kind of courage Cynthia has to stand. Listen, we don't have to, we, we don't have to stand for certain political ideologies. That's not what I'm talking about. And you can. I mean, you, you do that. I'm talking about standing for Christ, for truth, for the gospel, for the, the gospel truth that saves people, that helps them to leave death and enter into eternal life, that we would go and we would share Jesus Christ and the truth of Christ and the saving faith with boldness where we are. Because what's happening in Argentina is really not too far different from what is happening here in the United States and even here in our own small town. And I pray that you and I would have courage to stand for the truth in the midst of the falsity that Babylon brings. I know that my time is short, but I'm going to finish as quickly as I can. But I'm also going to be true to God, what God has told me. So bear with me. The third thing is wisdom tells me that through Christ, Christians will conquer. Look what it says here. And there's, there's the angel talks about the beast and him becoming this antichrist figure. There's a lot of horns and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's talking about authority, talking about various kings and kingdoms and these ideas. And it's talking about how the world is worshiping the, this beast, this antichrist, and that this figure will join with human kings and they will fight against the lamb and the lamb's people. And that seems very daunting and scary. But I would just tell you, these, just like every other thing, these are things that have happened, are happening, and will happen. This world fights against you and I. It doesn't want us to succeed because that would cause it to fail. It doesn't want us to reach people for Christ because that means that there's less people fawning over this ideal and these, this kingdom and this beast in these ways. It wants to fight against us because we're sharing the gospel truth that the light, as we sang about just a few moments ago, the light invades the darkness. We speak about those things. And this world system, this Babylonian system, this beast system, this mimic kingdom that Satan has tried to set up knows that it will fail if you and I continue on. We've talked about this the whole series as this clashing of kingdoms. The kingdom of this world is at war with the kingdom of the Lamb. And that seems daunting and maybe even scary to you. But I would tell you, that's not where the news ends. That's not where the truth ends. Yeah, that's happening, and yeah, that will happen. But what this passage tells us is that we will conquer. We will prevail. We will come through it all. Verse 14 says, These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And that you and I who are with Him 
are called, chosen, and faithful. You and I, because of Christ, will conquer this enemy, will conquer this world, will overcome the sin, will overcome all these things because in Jesus, we win. We overcome. Yes, praise God. So don't be duped. Don't fail to see things as they truly are. And don't fail to act accordingly. Because in Christ, we conquer. Let us pray for wisdom today to follow Jesus and ask Him to help us flee the ways of the world. Lord, we love You. We praise You. We thank You, Lord, that in Christ we conquer. It's not our strength, not our power, not our might, not our ability, not our own ways but because of you, because you are the lamb slain for us. The lamb who conquered when you died. And so I pray, Lord, today that you would help us all to either realize where we are because we are in Christ or realize where we could be if we will stop listening to the lies all around us. And we would listen to Christ and the truth of salvation that he brings. Lord, would you save somebody today, Lord? Would you help someone today to enter into eternal life because of Christ and because of your death on the cross? Lord, would you move in our midst in these moments as we sing to you, as we worship you, and as we respond to you? Help us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand? As you stand, we're going to sing and ask God to meet with us. And I pray today that you would be able to have wisdom, maybe for the first time. If you're not a Christian today and you'd like to trust Christ as Savior, you see beyond the lies and follow the truth in Christ, would you come? I'd love to share with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to lead you into life eternal because of Christ. Let's sing today and respond to him.